0: Thanks, Daniel, uh, My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside as well. And uh, again, I'd like to welcome all of you here and thanks for, for braving at least a little bit of, of bad weather to get here. We're glad that you've uh, come here to join us. Uh, Scott Peck is a psychologist and uh, after he had uh, practiced psychology, done therapy for a number of years, he wrote a book and, and his first book was called The Road Less Traveled. And it starts with three words that have become fairly famous uh, and and, uh, familiar to maybe some of you, But, but he opens up that book with these words. He says, life is difficult. And, and, and I think we need to recognize that this morning. And I want to start by saying we have to be a little careful in how we say that. I mean, we are here in southern Kent County. We're here in an area where most of us didn't have to worry about whether we would have breakfast this morning. We didn't have to worry about where we were going to sleep last night. We, we have survival taken care of. And, and we have to be thankful for that and grateful for that and recognize that there are a lot of people for whom just having food to eat is a, is a huge challenge. And so we recognize that. But the fact of the matter is part of what Peck points out is that, is that once we've handled survival needs, it it still leaves us with a boatload of challenges and difficulties and and other questions about identity, who am I, purpose, what am am I doing here, about relationships, about what's going to happen, about what makes me worthwhile, about uh, what's going to happen with my kids, and all sorts of things. The fact of the matter is, in in 25 years of, of being a pastor, this is what has been most clear to me, that life is difficult for all of us. We don't get to say, well, you have enough money, therefore life is not difficult for you. We don't get to say, well, your family is still intact, therefore life is not difficult for you. The fact is, each and every one of us struggles. Each and every one of us knows what it's like to face challenges. And, and we don't get to decide mine are bigger than yours. We don't get to decide that yours don't count or mine don't count. The fact is, life is difficult. Scott Peck says that. I agree with it. And I think the authors of the Heidelberg Catechism... The authors of the Heidelberg Catechism would agree with that as well, right? This is a document we mentioned last week that was written 450 years ago. It's, it's one of the confessions of our church, one of the guides to Scripture that we use here. And, and the Heidelberg Catechism, the authors, when they got together, and, and this is one of the things that make this confession a little different, a little bit unique, is they didn't start off and say, well, well what is God like? They started off and they, and they asked this, I think, really powerful, good question. They said, what is... Your only comfort in life and in death. In a world that is difficult, in a world in which storms can strike, in a world in which things can fall apart in an instant, what holds your life together? Or we could put it this way, what gives you strength? What gives you strength? And, and, and the Heidelberg Catechism drives us into Scripture, and it takes all that Scripture has to say about that, and, and I think it kind of puts it together into a five-word statement that is at the core of the Christian faith. And and, and what it says at its core in this first question and answer, the answer is this, I belong to Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, if you ask me where my strength comes from, if you ask what holds my life together, if you ask what matters most, and I only have one sentence to say, it is that I belong to Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ, that he holds on to me, that he's never going to let me go. If you want to summarize these scriptures, if you want to summarize, I believe in the best way possible to say all that this book says, what you can say is just, I belong to Jesus Christ. It teaches me, it shows me that I belong to Jesus Christ. The scriptures point to it again and again and again. Let me just make sure we root this in scripture. Again, the confessions are not scripture. The catechism is not scripture, but it points us to scripture. So we'll keep coming back to it, uh, to to scripture time and time again. Romans 14 verse 8. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, Paul says there's one thing. We belong to the Lord. That's what holds my life together? That's what gives me strength, is that God is holding on to me. God will never let me go. God will, will take care of me. Romans 8, 38 and 39. A passage that I have read at so many funerals and so many bedsides. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, again, Paul is writing this, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Can we agree that he's saying nothing? Okay, there is nothing Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. All right? This is, this is, Paul says, this is it, what it comes down to. At the end of the day, in the midst of the storms, nothing can take me out of God's hands. Nothing can take me out of God's hands. I have said it, again, at a bunch of funerals of saying, you know what, this person before he or she died, 10 seconds before they died, they were in God's hands. 10 seconds after they died, they were in God's hands. The moment they died, they were in God's hands. Yes, they're no longer in their body right now. But the thing that hasn't changed is the thing that matters most, and that is that they were in God's hands, right? I belong to Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, of course, they wouldn't have said Jesus Christ because he hadn't been born yet. But again, this idea of belonging is at the center, all right? Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people. We belong to him, the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. I belong to the Lord. I belong to Jesus Christ, Again, I want to make something clear here, and and this is because I think sometimes preachers get this wrong. But but we have to notice that it's not that my only comfort in life and death, what gives me strength is that all my troubles are past. It's not that what gives me strength is that everything is good in my life right now. No, what gives me strength is that I belong to Jesus Christ. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, that is the core of it. That is, I, I think for me, this is a beautiful way to state the Christian faith. And what I want to do this morning is the catechism kind of unpacks this, and it says five things about this that I want to just touch on, and I know you're not going to walk out of here remembering five things, so pick out the one or the two or the three uh, that might kind of connect with you at this point. But five things, the catechism, as they unpack this answer, as they, as they think about what it means, um, and, and as they expand that, five things. First one I want to talk about is, is, is it says, I am not my own, okay? I am not the boss of me. When we make this confession, and I think, again, when we make the biblical confession, what, what we're saying is that, well, here's how it says it in the catechism. What is my only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but I belong to Jesus Christ. Again, let's root it in Scripture, 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. That's the Bible. That's the catechism. You're not your own. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you were bought with a price. You're not your own. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And, and, and so the first thing, and, and, and again, this is such an important confession that I am not my own. Because there's something inside of us that, that wants to say I am my own. I am the boss of me. Nobody else can tell me what to do. Nobody else can, can, can control me. I mean, we live in a culture, we live in a world where, where freedom is a key word, right? Government, you can't, it's my body, you can't tell me what to do with it. Government, it's my land, you can't tell me what to do with it. It's my gun, you can't tell me what to do with it. It's my whatever, you can't tell me what to do with it. And when it comes to the government, I'm generally on the side of freedom from, okay? I don't. But let's, this is not about a political thing. But what we have to understand is sometimes too often, I think, our attitude towards those things slips into our Christianity, and we start to say to God, God, you know, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. You're not in charge of me. You're not in control of me. I get to decide what I want to do. The fact is, sin is all about us saying to God, I'm going to do it my way. And, and that's why we have to confess what the Bible teaches us very clearly, that I am not my own. That I am not the boss of me. This does two things for us, okay? If we make this confession, and again, it's, this is, this is just, it's one thing to say I belong to Jesus Christ, It's a a deeper thing, and it challenges us in the right place to say, I'm not my own, okay? First of all, it challenges me, okay? It it confronts me. We we don't get to do whatever we want. I'm not my own. I'm not the boss of me. I don't get to do whatever I want. Again, that's what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 6. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies, Paul is saying, you know, you don't get to say. Some of the Corinthian Christians were saying, "Yeah, I belong to, to Jesus Christ. I've been saved. I've been forgiven. But what I do sexually doesn't matter, because it's just my body, and it's my body, and it doesn't really matter." God. No, you are not your own. Paul says, "It does matter what you do, and, and, and you are called. You're called to honor God with your bodies, and so it confronts us. But even more, and this is." It comforts us. I am not my own. What that means is I don't have to be the boss of me. I don't have to be in charge. One of the lessons many of us have learned as we've grown up, right? When we're younger, it's like, I can't wait. I can't wait till I get to be an adult. I can't wait till I get to be in charge of my life. I can't wait till I get to be the mom. I can't wait till I get to be the dad. I can't wait till I get to be the teacher. I can't wait till I get to be the boss. And the one thing I've discovered is now I've become all of those things, I don't like it because I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough to be in charge. I don't, if if, if you, if I'm the one who's in charge of leading your lives, we got huge problems. I can't lead my, I don't know. When we get into positions of authority, I tell you this, honest, uh, those of us who get there, when we get there, we say, why did I want this? Why did I do this? I think God gives us that. But at the end of the day, I can't be in charge of me. And the good news is I don't have to be. I, I was never, I was never created by God to sail my own ship. I think one of, the, one of the most dangerous things that happens often, not always, but in graduation speeches. Think of graduation speeches. What does the speaker most often say? You are taking on the future. Now drive your boat. You are the master of your destiny. You are the one who is in charge of your life. Are you kidding me? These are idiots. They're either 17 years old or 18 years old or 22 year old or 27 year old, whatever. They are not ready to drive the car. I'm 52 and I'm waiting for the day when I'm ready to drive the car. Guess what? I know some of you are in the 80s and so on and still waiting to get ready to know you know enough to drive the car. I don't have to drive the car. I have to be in God's car. I was not created to drive my own ship. I am not my own. I am not the boss of me. And that is just wonderfully good news, okay? I am not my own. Let's go to the second one, all right? Every Oops, hold on, let's go back one here. I am not my own. The second one, here we are. Every part, every moment. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am not my own. I I belong to Jesus Christ. Every part, every moment. Let's look at it in the Catechism and in Scripture. That I am not my own, right? But I belong, right? Body and soul, life and in death. Every part of me, body and soul, I think of those people in our congregation who are fighting against cancer, who are fighting against other diseases. It can be real tempting to say, yeah, I know God cares for my soul. I know God's going to take care of that, but does God care for my body? Yes, the catechism says you belong to your Lord body and soul. Every part of you, every square inch of your body, every square inch of your mind, every square inch of your life, all of it belongs to Jesus Christ. And, And there's not a time when he pulls back. There's not a time when he says, I don't care about that. There's not a time when he he, he doesn't listen to that, when he doesn't care. Body and soul, body and soul, every part of my life, every part of my life belongs to Jesus Christ. In life and in death, every moment of my life belongs to Jesus Christ. You know, we can get this one wrong on on both sides of this. We can end up saying, you know, yeah, I belong to Jesus Christ in in death, I know he'll take care of me, but in this life, I'm on my own, or the other way around. I know Jesus is with me now, but will he be with me then? It's in life and in death. Absolutely every moment. Again, back to 1 Corinthians six nineteen: You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Your bodies matter. Romans fourteen eight: If we live, we live for the Lord, die, die for the Lord. So whether we live or die. All right. Romans 8. Again, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, not death, not angels, not demons, nothing will be able to set, 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 separate us. Every part, every moment. Again, with each one of these, in some ways, it's, it's similar. There is a challenge. Everything matters. Everything matters, all right? It's, it's, it's not that I can say this part of my life. You know, again, we, we sometimes want to say to God, God, I will honor you, but not with my Friday nights. God, I will honor you, but not with my Saturday nights. God, I will honor you, but not with my sexuality. I will honor you, but not with my finances. I will honor you, but not with my, my work. I will honor you, but not with this. no, every part, every moment. Body and soul, life and death, absolutely everything. It challenges. everything matters, but again, it comforts us because God cares for all, all the time, for all of me. All right? Every part, every moment. I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to Jesus Christ. Third, the third thing that it unpacks is that there's no one better, no one better to belong to. Just belonging to somebody doesn't solve all our problems, right? Right? talk to somebody who's been a slave, right? You know, I mean, the catechism recognized, okay, I belong to somebody, that's great, then I'm not in charge of my life. Well, that's not great if that person I belong to is not loving, if that person I belong to isn't, isn't kind, isn't caring, isn't good. That's why the catechism adds, again, a couple of more words here to help us make sure we understand what we're saying. That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to who? Not just to Jesus Christ, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, there's nobody better to belong to I, in the back of my mind, I'm hearing the old folks here will get it—the Bob Dylan song, "You Got to Serve Somebody." You got to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the. The fact is, we all belong to somebody. We all belong to somebody, or we try to belong to ourselves, or we try to belong to something. We all belong to somebody, and I got to tell you, there's nobody better to belong to than Jesus Christ. There, there is—he—he he is again, first of all, just Savior. You belong to somebody who died for you. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you believe because somebody who went to a cross and who says, this is how much I love you, and he poured out his life. And again, the Apostle Paul, in thinking about that, Romans 8, verse 32, he says, he who did not spare his own son, right, God the Father, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? When you've seen the cross... When you've seen how much Jesus loves you, when you've seen that he'll die for you, do you think he's going to stop when when, when when you need something else? Is there anybody else you want to belong to? Don't belong to me because I didn't die for you, and I won't I'm not that good don't belong to your spouse don't belong to you belong to Jesus Christ don't belong to the stock market, don't belong to your work. belong to Jesus Christ because he alone is, is the one who is the savior and he alone is the one who is faithful it doesn't change I, i'm not a slave to a boss to an owner who who one day is good and next day is angry i've got a savior who is faithful lamentations three i mean just this is just amazing the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness I belong not just to Jesus Christ, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He's going to be there. And and, and he who did not spare his own son, I mean, he went to the cross. He already died for me. He's going to take care of me. He's no one better to belong to. Again, it doesn't make life easy, okay? It doesn't mean everything works out perfectly fine. But I'll tell you this, there's just nobody else who loves you the way he loves you. And if you can't say these words, if you can't say, I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, then I, I want to just talk to you after the service and say, what do we have to do? How can we answer that question? So no one better to belong to, all right? So let's move that one down. The fourth one, he takes care of me. The catechism, the first question and answer kind of has three parts. We've only been in part one. Don't worry, I know what time it is. We've only been in part one. We've got two and three to go. This is all related to the second part, Okay. The first part, again, I, I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The second part begins with this, of him taking care of me. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. This is what he did. He pull, fully paid for all my sins. And, and, and one of the key words here for the, the writers of the catechism 450 years ago was, was fully. That, that he paid for it all. In that time, the church, the, it was the Roman Catholic Church at the time, was teaching that Jesus paid for a lot of your sins but you still need to pay for the rest. And, and they said, no, he has fully paid. He has absolutely fully paid for all of our sins. Now, I don't think any of us are going to say something like that anymore, but I think for us where we need to hear this word is, is that we still have an idea that there's no free lunch. Most of us have an idea of I want to do something. i wanna, I got to do my part, right? I mean, I've heard preachers say things like, you do your best and let God take care of the rest. What? It's not me doing a little bit. In God. What the Bible says is Jesus fully paid. It says, I'm, I'm dead in my sins. And it's grace, 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 grace. It... He's the one who paid. Uh, Hebrews talks about this. Again, let's root it in Scripture. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. There was one sacrifice. What happened on the cross is what matters. He is the Savior who has fully paid for all of my sins, okay? And I need to remember that, that I belong to him, not because of anything I've done. Because as soon as I start to make it anything I've done, and this is... Yeah, for me, one of the things that I think the Reformed expression of the Christian faith gets right and is so important for us to remember is what what, what the the church at the time, the the major church at the time, the Catholic church at the time was teaching, was that what we have to do is we have to hold on to God. And and we do this by our good works, that we hold on to God. And it's up to me to hold on to God. And there's a part of us that still believes that, right? I I have to have my faith, I'm holding. But the Reformed faith, No, what the Bible says, is that Jesus Christ paid it all, and Jesus is holding on to us. My assurance comes not because I am holding so tightly to God, but because God is holding so tightly to me. Do you see the difference? It makes all the difference in the world if I know that he has fully paid for all of my sins. I don't have to pay for any of them. I can't pay for any of them. And he did it with his precious blood. With his precious blood. And and I wanted to stop on this word for a minute because the the fact is, I think what we're going to see, you see it some now in in some places, I'm reading it a little bit, and and I think it might become something that hits popular Christianity somewhere in the next 10 years. There are a number of people who are saying, you know, this whole Christian thing with blood is overdone. It's just sick. God doesn't require blood. He just wants us to believe in him. And, And the blood doesn't matter. Friends, if you take the Bible seriously, the blood is what matters that it took the death of Jesus Christ. It was his precious blood that did that. Peter talks about this. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, but with what? The precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I I, I love that. It's not silver gold, not that junk. What? (laughs) I could use a little silver. I could use a little gold. No, not with junk you were bought, but with the blood of Jesus Christ. And friends, that's the sacrifice that gives us life. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He takes care of me and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. That he has set me free. The fact is, the biblical story is that we were slaves. We were not only sinners in debt, but we were slaves in captivity. And and, and ultimately, the Bible says we're slaves to the devil. But for most of us, what I would suggest, we look at it and to say that in our culture, um, most of us are slaves to ourselves. And, and it's ultimately a slavery to the devil. But we're slaves to ourselves. We want to do it ourselves. I was just looking at protests this past week on on, uh, on the internet. And there are so many angry people. There are so many people who are saying, I, I want to do it my way. It's my body. I hate your religion. I hate your God. I mean, this was just, it was just fascinating to me to see this. And these people who were saying, I want to be free. But in my view, in the name of freedom, they were in prison. In, in the name of them trying to be free. They were in prison to themselves and, and to their own strength. And, and I want to say, you no, know, Jesus Christ sets us free. He sets us free from the tyranny of the devil, whether that's worshiping the devil directly or worshiping ourselves. You don't have to be in charge. You're not a good boss of you, and you can be set free from all of that and experience freedom in Christ. This is the way Colossians puts it. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He takes care of us. He has set me free. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. Set me free from the tyranny of the devil. And, and then this. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. He watches over me so closely because I belong to Jesus he pays attention to absolutely every aspect of my life again this is rooted in scripture clearly Matthew 10 Jesus says are not two sparrows sold for a penny yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care a bird can't die without God knowing about it outside of his care and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered so don't be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows. Nothing is going to come to you outside of the will of God. Nothing is going to come to you that does not go, the catechism is going to say this, and I love this image, okay, that does not go through the Father's hands. Through the Father's hands. You see, we need to understand something. Notice something. This is, this is not to say that God brings bad things. Sometimes people in our kind of faith have, have said, well, if God is in charge of everything, therefore God brings all things, therefore God brought this cancer, therefore God brought this. No, what the catechism teaches is nothing comes except it comes through his hands. And we sang, saying, and I'm not going to get the line exactly right, but that we are held in the scarred hand, healing hands, the healing hands that are scarred. And, and, and know that whatever comes to you comes through those hands. Now, I don't understand why God doesn't stop some of those things. I don't always understand why God doesn't put an end to some of those things, but I know this. He is still in control, and I will not give that up. The Bible makes it clear over and over again that that he is watching over us in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head. He knows, all right. And in fact, it goes on to say, in fact, all things must work together for my salvation. All things Must work together for my salvation. Again, Romans 8, really important chapter, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So God takes all things and he's going to work them for my salvation. He's going to work them for my good. Again, I want to be really careful about something because some people take this in a way that the, the catechism never intended, that the scriptures never intended. It's not to say all things are good, right? God is good all the time. All the time God is good. That's true. But not everything that happens to us, cancer is not good. God can bring something good out of it. God can grow us in it. But that doesn't make that thing good. Okay? Evil is evil, and God is never the author of evil. And evil is never good. But God works things for our good. Okay? that's a huge distinction. And so, yes, I believe with all my heart God is in control. All right? He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Okay? Nothing. Can happen to us that doesn't come through His hands. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. God will work all things for the good of those, right? I'm not saying all things are good, but He will work all things for the good. So, this second part, He takes care of me. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood. He watches, or excuse me, He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil, and He watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to Jesus Christ, all right? All right, he, has, he takes care of me. And then the last one, he helps me trust and obey. He helps me respond. He gives me assurance that I belong to him, and he helps me to live for him. All right, again, let's go to the catechism. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit, all right? Now we've got the Spirit coming in. Because I'm a Christian, because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life. By his Holy Spirit, he tells me that it's okay. What gives me assurance is not how much I've done. What gives me assurance is not that I've gone to church all the time. What gives me assurance is the Holy Spirit whispers into my heart, it's okay. I've got you. You belong to him. And again, that's exactly what scriptures teach. 2 Corinthians 1, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ I, I think about that, right? God makes us stand firm. God is the one who gives us life. God is the one who does it. He anoints us. Uh, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And so the Holy Spirit there assures us that it's going to be okay, that we belong to him. And the Holy Spirit makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. I belong to Him. And more than anything else, I want to just live my life from now on for Him. doesn't mean we all become pastors. But it means when I'm a teacher, I teach for Him. When I'm a businessman or businesswoman, I'm that person for Him. When I'm a psychologist, I'm that for Him. When I'm a counselor, I'm that for Him. When I am taking care of the kids, I'm taking care of the kids for Him. I I, belong to jesus christ and all i want to do is say thank you all i want to do is live in gratitude galatians 5 those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit it's the spirit who makes us willing and ready from now on to live for him all right he helps me trust and he helps me obey so it, it, that's the fifth one, all right? There we are. Let's get to this, and let's move that there. And, and I just want to go through that, the whole question and answer once. I, again, I hope you know how, how deeply scriptural this is. It, but I do want to encourage you. I mean, one of the ways, I mentioned it last week, I want to mention it again. You know, we, we, we are not a church that necessarily has trained people to give testimonies about amazing moments in our lives very well. I want to suggest that you can memorize this and have the most beautiful testimony that there is. All right? And and so this is what it says. What is my only comfort in life and death, that I am not my own, but belong, body and soul and life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. And he watches over me. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Friends, that's worth living for. That's what you can bank your life on. The fact of the matter is we've got to ask ourselves, what gives you strength? Each and every one of us. And this wall is, in my view, just such a beautiful one. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am not my own. I belong to Jesus Christ every part, every moment. I belong to Jesus Christ. There is no one better to belong to. I belong to Jesus Christ. He takes care of me. I belong to Jesus Christ. He helps me trust and obey. And and so as we close, I just ask all of us to ask this question. And, and, And be honest about it. Be honest about it. What gives you strength? We all need to answer the question. We all need to have a bottom line. What gives you strength? What what gives you courage? What's going to get you out of bed when things are falling apart? What's your bottom line? I belong to Jesus Christ. And I pray you do too. Let's pray together. Father, It's an amazing thing to say that we're not our own but belong to you. Thank you. Thank you that you've done that for us because we couldn't have gotten there on our own. We ran away. And so, Father, give us the courage to be wholeheartedly willing, to to know that you you take care of us and to be wholeheartedly willing and and ready to live for you. Father, I pray for anybody here who's struggling and, and who doesn't know for sure that they belong to Jesus Christ. And I just pray that Right now might be a moment when they say, "I do, I belong to Jesus Christ, and I put my life in his hands because there's no better place to be than in the hands of Jesus. it's in His name that we pray. Amen. We please stand to receive god 's parting benediction again, there're going to be some folks from hillside in the prayer room if you'd like to talk with somebody or pray with somebody, I'd be happy to meet with you and to chat with you. People of God, as we go from this place, the Lord bless you